0: Good to see you all here this morning. Glad you're here. If you're visiting with us, I'm especially glad to have you. Um, If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Jason uh, Williams. I serve as uh, lead pastor here at Solid Rock. It's truly an honor to to serve in that capacity. Um, I'm also a member here. I would go to church here if I wasn't on staff. Um, I love this place. If you're visiting with us, you're surrounded by an amazing church family. I hope you'll just take a moment to to introduce yourself. Um, At the end of the service Um, I'll be down front and I would love to get to know you, especially if this is your first Sunday, just would love to get to know your name and how God led you to Solid Rock and hear more about how we could support uh, you and your family, so um, hopefully we can do that. Uh, We are um, starting a new sermon series today uh, that will take us four weeks to get through entitled One Church, Multiple Generations, and so let me talk a minute about that. So what tends to happen in church, if we're not careful, is that we appoint ministry leaders over the different generations within the church. Kids ministry leader, youth ministry leader, Young adult leader, senior adult leader, and if we're not careful, what tends to happen is these ministry leaders with great intentions build a team, build a vision, and begin to take what what was once maybe a department within the church and almost build a church within the church. And so you end up becoming a church of churches, right? And each ministry is kind of doing their own thing, going this direction, making this a priority. And so what we are deeply convicted of that God has called us to be one church with multiple generations. And so what we're going to do over the next four weeks is walk through the different generations of Solid Rock Church and talk about how we truly are one church and how the vision for our church transcends into each age group, each generation, starting today with kids, next week with students, the week after that, young adults, and then we'll end with with adults, but we are one church with multiple generations. We'll also talk about how essential and how critical each generation is, that there's never a time in your Christian journey or a generation you could be a part of that is not critical to the vision of the church. Whether you're a kid, you are essential and you are critical to who we are as a church and you have a significant role. If you're a senior adult, you are critical and you are essential part of who we are as a church, and God has called you and given you a role as well. And so we'll talk about the relationship between these generations as we go along. Um, today we're talking about kids. We'll be in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Um, if you want to grab the, um, the white page in front of you that says this week, um, on the back, just a reminder, we put the calendar of events so as you hear announcements and maybe you forget to write down when the men's breakfast is or the women's brunch, um, just want to point that out. We do have those on, on the white page in front of you. If God speaks to you today and challenges you in some way, you want to write that down as well. That's what these are for. Um, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6 um, in, uh, as we get started this morning. So uh, we're starting with kids, right? And We're talking about ministry to kids. Now we know that Jesus loves kids. Not only does he welcome kids in the Gospels to come to him, he tells the adults, unless you have faith like kids, right, you can't even approach me. And so we know that kids matter to God. But what does God say about ministering to kids and discipling kids and raising kids to know and love Jesus? How is that supposed to happen? So in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4, I'll read 4 through 9. Here's God's counsel to us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Now as we think about what it means to raise our children, to know and to love Jesus, it begins in verse four with a clear command of who God is, to understand who we're actually talking about. The, verse four begins, "Hear, O Israel, Listen to this Israel." So you might just replace with that with this phrase, "Listen, church." <coughs> Listen, church." the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Leading our children to know who God is or to love God with all their heart, all their might, all their strength begins and is really rooted in who God is. So leading our children is rooted in who God is, not, listen to this, in who I want my children to be. There's a difference. Now I know from the moment you found out you were pregnant, or maybe even before then, like you just began to think about the future you wanted your children to have, right? Maybe even begin to pray about that future. Maybe even prayed for their spouses and all that God had planned for them. And you began to dream about what you wanted for your kids. But what happens if we're not careful is we'll begin to lead our children along these paths, along these journeys that are rooted in who we are, not in who God is. And we forget this guiding principle that we are created in the image of God, which means our children are created in the image of God. Our children are created in his image, not ours. And what God has planned for my boys is better. I have good plans for them. But what God has planned is better than what I have planned right? Because why? Because God created them. I didn't. I didn't create them. I didn't give them their strengths or weaknesses. I didn't give them their intellect. I didn't give them their personalities. And when they come to know Jesus, I won't be the one who decides what their spiritual gifts are, what their callings in life are, right? Because God created them in his image, not mine. And so leading our children, first of all, is rooted in who God is, right? not in who I want my kids to be. And that's a faith move, isn't it? Like as parents, we inherently believe that nobody wants a better future for our kids than we do, right? Like nobody has their best interest in mind more than we do. And it's a faith move to say, you know what? I love my kids, but God loves them more. I have a hope and a future for my kids, but God has a better hope and future for my kids. And it's a faith move to say, you know what? I want my children to be created in God's God's image, not my image. I want them to pursue his ambitions for their life, not not mine. So seeing our children become everything that God created them to be begins with a clear understanding of who God is. He's, He's their ultimate authority, not me. Now, from here, we get some counsel as parents on our role. We have a role. Verses five and six outline the role for parents. Verse five begins, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Now what's interesting is, in all the verses we've read today, there's no mention of the church, is there? So we'll get to that part in a minute, But as God begins to lay out the plan for ministering to kids, for discipling kids, for raising our kids to know and love Jesus, he first begins with a clear understanding of who he is, and then who does he turn to next? Parents. Parents, here's what I have for you. Did you count how many times the word you or your showed up in those verses? Like, listen to it again. God's speaking to parents. He says, listen, parents, you want your kids to know and love Jesus? Then you shall love. The Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. You want your kids to love Jesus with all their soul, with all their might? Then listen, you first. Right? Because we can't lead our children to a place that we ourselves are not going. Leading our children begins with the heart of the parent. Now, this is really convicting for me. Can I just say that on the front end? Because I'm not super great at this. Sometimes I find myself leading my children with a divided heart. On one hand, I want what God wants for them because I believe it's better. But on the other hand, right, my own ambitions are there and I want what I want for them. I want them to be this thing, whatever it is, and I find myself pushing them that way and then God will check my heart and I have to take a step back and I have to acknowledge in faith, you know what, God, you know what, you're right. Once again, your plans are better. Your plans are better are better. Now, here's the reality, parents. What captures your heart will most often capture the hearts of your children. You know that? They're going to love what you love, for the, for the most part. Right? So case in point, my boys love to fish. They love to hike. They love to camp. They love to kayak. They love to be outside. Why? Because dad loves to do that stuff. They love doing that with dad. My boys are both athletes. They love sports. They love baseball. Why do they love baseball? I didn't get that from me because mom's an athlete. She's good. So they begin to gravitate towards the things that we love and the things that we want for them, right? It's what happens. What you treasure, your kids will treasure. What you love and desire, your kids will love and desire. So now it just naturally flows. If I want my boys to know and love Jesus, what's the prerequisite? I gotta know him. Like, I gotta love him. I've gotta pursue him. Listen, parents, we don't just simply pray our kids into the kingdom. Pray for your kids, but that's not what Deuteronomy 6 says. Deuteronomy 6 says, listen, you want your kids to be in the kingdom? Lead them there. You want your kids to know and love Jesus? Lead them there. You first. This has to be written on your heart first if you want it to be written on the hearts of your children. What has captured our hearts... Will most often capture the hearts of our children. Now what tends to happen if we lead our children with a divided heart, even with good intentions, um, is we tend to try to fit God into the equation. Right? So we map out our plans, we map out our resources, we determine what we want in life, and what we want for our kids, we go after it, and then we just try to fit God into that. And, and I'll tell you, like at times, even as a pastor, I find myself doing that. There are times where we're getting it right. All the motives are right. We're doing the right thing. And there are other times where we're just trying to fit church into the busyness of life. Anybody else? It's go, 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 go. Chase after this thing or that thing and these ambitions and what I want and what I want. And oh, wait, it's Sunday morning. Stop. Let's go do church. Okay, church is out. Now let's get busy again. Let's go. Let's go. Let's chase after what? Oftentimes our own ambitions. And often when it applies to our kids, what we're chasing after is we're trying to create them in our image Rather than allowing them to be created in God's image. And so we'll often lead our children with divided hearts. We say we love Jesus, but our actions say something different. We say we want to follow Jesus, but our paths seem to be leading somewhere else. And what tends to happen in our hearts if we're not careful and we're leading our children with divided hearts is we want just enough of Jesus to be associated with him but not enough of him to be inconvenienced by him. Just enough so that people on the outside look in and will say, they are a Christian family. They go to church. They've got these little stickers on the back of their car to prove it. A good Christian family, enough to be associated with him, but not enough of Jesus to be inconvenienced by him where I have to deal with convictions. Where sometimes he says, no, don't go that way. So just enough to be associated, but not enough to be inconvenienced. I'm going to share a story um, of something that happened um, earlier this year. Um, And uh, and so so my wife and two of her buddies decided that, well, two of my wife's friends decided they want to run a marathon. And, And my wife, Hallie, was hesitant at first, like, I'm really not into that kind of thing. I'm not really interested in this. But after some time, she reluctantly said, okay, I'll sign up and run it with you. So... This past, early this past year, uh, my wife and her two buddies uh, ran a marathon with a couple of, couple of other families from our church, okay? And so, um, as supportive families, the dads got together with the kids, and we're going out to support and cheer our wives on in this marathon. And, uh, and so, on the day of, you see, no matter how hard you train for something like this, you never know how you're going to feel on the day of, Right? Like, so you might be sick, you might twist an ankle, it just may not be your day, but you're hoping that all this training is gonna pay off and come together on the day of the race, and you're just gonna go out and kill it, okay? So we're all there to cheer on the mom. we're at the little checkpoints, and we've got it all mapped out, and we've got our little signs, and we're watching the little dots on the app, and, oh, here comes the first mom, and we're cheering her on. Good job, and the kids are running next to her and handing her water. You can do it, mom, and mom runs on. and we turn, and here comes the next mom. We're cheering her on. You got this. You can do it, and we cheer her on. Here comes the next mom. We're cheering her on. You got this. Let me go around to the next checkpoint. Here they come. Here the same thing again, cheering them on. Here comes one mom. Here comes the other. And then here comes the third mom. So we go to the halfway point. And we're there and we're ready to cheer on the moms we're watching the dots on the app keeping up with them and and so the first mom comes by and she's ahead of pace she's just crushing it and we're out there the dj's out there playing music and there are all these families are out there cheering on all the runners we've got our signs kids are dancing out there in the streets and here comes the first mom kids are running mom we're so proud of you you can do it and cheer on there she goes we look at the app and okay so just a couple more minutes my wife's coming by. I get the boys ready. Hey, here she is. Look for her. Look for her. And we see the runners coming. And I see her off in the distance. There she is. There she is right there. And so they go running out. Mom, we am so proud you could do it. And we're at the halfway point and We're cheering her on. And she goes running, running by. And they're like, okay, well, let's look at the, look at the app. Where's the third mom? And her dot isn't moving. Well, maybe there's something wrong with the app. So we refresh it. She's, she's not moving. So the dad is there. And He's like, man, I'm gonna call, see if she'll answer her phone. And he calls and he's like, oh no, she's not doing good. She's hurting, she's sick, she's not feeling well. And of course, all that work is put into training for this and now she's feeling the emotion of all that and she's like, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. He's like, you can do it, just keep, keep pressing, keep trying. So he hangs up and he comes and tells us what's going on. Like, hey, she can do it, you know, we'll, we'll cheer her on, she's gonna make it and we're watching and her dot stops again. So he calls her again, and she's like, I don't think I'm going to make it. I think I'm done. Will you come come get me and just help me make it back to the car? And so now, mind you, he's the only person out here cheering on runners wearing jeans and dress shoes, okay? Who wears jeans to a marathon? So he's out here cheering his wife on, and he realized I'm going to have to go find her. And so I just kick my running shoes off. He throws on my running shoes with a pair of jeans and takes off running to find his wife. The right thing to do, right? It's gonna help her make it back to the car. So we move on to the next checkpoint so we can cheer on the other two moms and he goes off to find his wife. And so what happens is when he finds her, rather than just help her back to the car, he realizes how much this means to her. And he said, you know what? You're gonna finish this race and I'm gonna run every step of the way with you. Now, not only is he wearing jeans and a borrowed set of tennis shoes, this guy hates cardio. This guy is the antithesis of the cardio athlete. He claims that he has run three miles before I have never seen him run three miles. I've seen him try to run three miles, but about a mile, mile and a half, he's done. Hates cardio. He goes out, finds his wife, borrowed tennis shoes and a pair of jeans, says, you know what, I'm gonna finish this race with you. And every step of the way, all the way to the end, he helps his wife finish the race and achieve her goal. Now, that is a fabulous illustration for marriage. It is a horrible illustration for how most of us do life the vast majority of Christians, we set our goals and our ambitions and we lay out the race that we wanna run and we run as hard as we can, as fast as we can, as long as we can until we can't run anymore and then we say, oh Jesus, will you come help me finish? Will you come help me achieve the goal that I've set for myself? And we never stop to take a step back and say, Jesus, do you even want me to sign up for this marathon? Is this even the ambitions you have for me? and we see it all over the place with kids. We set these ambitions for them and we never take a step back to say, God, that you actually created them. You gave them their strengths, their intellect, their athleticism, or lack thereof, right? And we set these ambitions and we say, okay, now, is this whole Jesus take the wheel mentality. I've taken it as far as I can go, now will you come take it and finish it and essentially accomplish my ambitions and my goals And we never take a step back to ask the question, Jesus, they're created in your image. What ambitions do you have for them? What is the journey you have laid before them? The bottom line is this. Parents, do you want your children to know and love Jesus? You first. You first. Now, Verses seven through nine, we get some counsel on how to do this, starting in verse seven. Here's how we're going to do this. You shall teach them diligently to your children. I don't know if you know this or not, but in the New Testament, the word disciple means learner. So when, as we make disciples for Jesus, we're making learners. Your kids are learners, and here's the, here's the scary thing. They're always learning. They don't don't turn that off unless they're asleep. As long as they're awake, they're learning something from you. They're learning about what matters to you. They're learning about what love is supposed to look like. They're learning about what faith is supposed to look like. They're learning about endurance and strength and faithfulness and commitment. They're learning those things from you for better or worse, right? Because why? They're learners, they can't not be learners. And so the command is then we should teach them how? Diligently. Consistently. Not just when it's Bible study time or church time. When? Consistently. When, when we sit at the house. When we walk by the way. That's the idea of commuting. When you commute, taking your kids to school, you're headed to work, you're commuting. When you lay down at night, when you rise. We are to teach our children diligently. Parents, here's the sobering reality. By God's design, you are the primary spiritual leader of your kids. On one, on one hand, that's an honor, right? That God would trust us with such a noble task. And on the other hand, that's a little bit intimidating and daunting for most of us. Because I, First of all, I know the kind of example that I am. Second of all, I don't even know where to get started. And I think so many of us are leading our children. We know we're supposed to be doing something. We're not quite sure what that's supposed to be. But what God is saying to you, parents, listen, I've entrusted this to you. The church has a role, and we'll get to that in a minute, but this is yours. You're the primary mechanism through which God desires to save your children's souls. That's a big deal, isn't it? And we're to teach our children diligently, consistently, when we sit in the house, when we walk, when we commute, when we're in bedtime, and when we wake up. And then he says this, he writes these strange words, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as a frontlet between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house. These aren't literal instructions, these are metaphor. So the word of God is not calling you to go out and put Bible tattoos on your forehead. That, that won't accomplish this. This is speaking of the principles that guide your household right? The, the principles on which you build your household and your home, what matters to you, how you do life is embedded in this, right? So just decorating your doorposts with the latest Pinterest ideas, putting scripture up on the wall and a cross wall, those aren't bad things, but that's not going to accomplish what this is talking about. This is talking about you and I raising our children in homes that are marked by and established upon the principles of God's word, so I'll just give you an example. Your children, as we mentioned, are always learning. And when you send your children out into the world, the world is always teaching. For better, for worse, oftentimes for worse, right? So the world is teaching your children what love is. And you know what the lesson is? Love is something you fall into, and you'll know it when you feel it, and anytime you stop feeling it, that means you fell out of love and you can just break your commitment and walk away. Okay, that's the world's view of love, but the biblical view of love is no. Like, love is oftentimes a choice. Like, sometimes I feel it, sometimes I don't. I promise you, my wife does not always feel in love with me. Sometimes she's mad at me and frustrated with me, and rightly so, But right? So, but we start to teach our children what real love looks like and show them what it looks like to choose to love, right? So our children are learning these lessons out in the world, but the question is what lessons are they learning in our homes, in our households? Let's talk for a minute about the role of the church. The church has a role, it's multifaceted. First of all, the church is called to equip you to do this. You're not on your own. That's what we're here to do as a church, as a biblical community to come alongside of you. I get it, some of our parents in this church are brand new Christians. They're like, I don't even know how to do this. How can I teach somebody else? That's where the church comes in. We assist you, we equip you, we, we, we discover it with you. We struggle with you. Sometimes we fail with you. We celebrate victories with you. But the point is the church is here to support you in your calling to lead your children to know and love Jesus. Now, secondly, and this is going to sound oversimplified, the role of the church for your children is to be the church. The same thing the church is to you, the church is supposed to be for your children. So, as adults, you come to church, you step into a family, a biblical community, right? You're surrounded by people who share your principles, who share your affections, who share your convictions. And so, listen, we can raise our children on biblical principles, but we send them out into a world that believes something different, right? And, and we, we sign them up for teams or organizations and they get involved and, and hopefully there are Christians involved in that, but that doesn't mean that necessarily that group that they're interacting with, whether it's a classroom or it's a baseball team or whatever, is founded on the same principles. So they're gonna be exposed to things that you don't believe, right? I mean, this is, happens, right? It's just it's the way it works. But when we bring our children to church, we step into a community, right, of like-minded believers who believe the same things. And so for our children, we're teaching them, we'll just use love for an example. We're teaching them what real love is. When they step into the church, they're surrounded by friends who are also being taught that same version of love. You see what I'm talking about? There's this mutual encouragement there. Hopefully, what my children are being taught about love, you're teaching your children, and this is part of the community. Now, there's a third role of the church. This is a really important role. It's part of my own story, and it's where the church steps in in a a surrogate way. So, where the ideal situation is absent or missing, God's grace fills in in an abounding way. I'll give you an example. So, Um, So this is a beautiful expression of how two parents are to raise their children. But what happens when there's divorce or there's blended families? And we're like, well, how do we do it now? I was raised by a single mom. Okay, she did her very best to raise me well, taught me responsibility. I became a Christian as a 15-year-old boy. I stepped into the church, and I'm so thankful for two men pastor of the church, Matt Hudson, one of the deacons, Jay Flanagan, who saw something lacking in me, realized that mom was doing a fabulous job, but I was at the age where I need to learn how to shave. Somebody had to teach me how to drive and what to do with all this armpit hair and like all the crazy things that were happening in life. And and so these two men recognized what was lacking and in a surrogate way stepped in and became strong male leaders in my life, spiritual leaders, Didn't mean mom wasn't doing a fabulous job, but you see how the church can step in and surround struggling families, single parent homes, blended families, situations that may not be ideal, but where the grace of God can cover it, right? And children can still grow up to know and love Jesus and flourish. So that's the role, those are the roles of the church. Parents, you are the primary mechanism of salvation for your children. Now, the gospel is involved in that. The Holy Spirit is involved in that. But the church's role is to supplement you in that. So if one of your kids comes to me and says, Pastor Jason, I want to get baptized. You know what I'm going to say? Dude, I'm stoked. That is exciting. Let's talk to your parents. Why? Because it's not my decision On when you're ready, it's theirs. My job is to help them make that decision. And that's the role of the church. Now, that being said, I'm I'm excited to get to introduce to you um, somebody who is about to come on staff. Um, So if you would just join me in welcoming to the stage, Julie Kirby, our new kids director. Who better to talk about Kids' ministry, then somebody who always gets it right and does a perfect job. Per- totally. Totally, yeah. No, All the time. then
1: we're perfect. Uh,
0: someone who is called to kids' ministry herself. Now, Julie hasn't started yet, so after the service, don't come up to her and ask her a million questions about what's going to happen. She doesn't know yet. Uh, she doesn't start until <laughs> really September. Um, but, um, you know, Julie and her family have already embedded themselves here in our church, and she's already beginning to think about what's to come. And so I thought it would be a good time to get to know her. And also just to hear a little bit about um, kids ministry and how we desire to come alongside you guys as parents and families to help you fulfill what God's called you to do. And so, Julie, thanks for, thanks for coming up here and, and being a part. So why don't we get to know your family first?
1: All right. Um, well, that handsome man is Evan. We've been married 14 years this year. Um, Our oldest is Camden. He's the blonde one in the front. He's going into fifth grade. Um, Everett's in the back. He is going into second grade. Piper is our only girl. She's going into kindergarten. And then Gavin is the the little bit over there. This was a couple months ago, so he's doubled in size, basically, since
0: then. Well, obviously, you recalled the kids ministry uh, before you took a position, right, in your own home. Yes. Yes. Um, but let's talk for a minute about, about kids' ministry specifically. Um, talk a little bit about how God shaped your calling for kids' ministry. Like, how did that, when that started, and how did it play out for you?
1: Yeah. Well, really, like you said, my calling to kids' ministry started well before having kids. Um, in high school, college, as a young adult, I served in kids' ministry. Um, Evan and I met when we were really young, and so we got to serve alongside one another in kids and youth um we went on mission trips we led vbs and we loved it we loved getting to see the kids smiling faces and singing songs with them and doing crafts and telling them about jesus it was wonderful and i kind of thought that was it right that that was kids ministry um and then fast forward a couple years um i stepped into my first ministry position and um, really had no idea what I was getting into, but God just, he used that, and obviously he knew what I was getting into. Um, He used that, and he really revealed to me just the, the heartbeat of what kids ministry really is, and I realized, hey, these kids, they're not just showing up here by themselves. They're being brought by their families, by their parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, and it's not just the kids' lives that are being impacted. It's the families. And that just, that fires me up. It gets me really excited. I love kids, yes. Um, but I I love seeing families impacted um, by kids getting excited, wanting to come back. And then the families wanting to come back because of that. And um, lives being changed, families being unified, Um, and there's so many ways that that can happen in the church. This is just where where God's called me to. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Well, I know you're not in the role yet, so there's still a lot of things to learn, a lot of things to figure out, but when you think about um, our kids um, and and think about your greatest hope for them, what does that look like? Like, what is your greatest hope for our kids? Uh,
1: So much. (laughs) Uh, First, I, I, I want the kids just to feel welcomed. When they walk in the door, if... If it's their 100th time being there, that they get to see faces, that they get to see every single weekend, um, that they're building relationships with. If it's their first time walking in, um, that there's a smiling face and someone there to show them the ropes. Um, because even as adults, we don't like walking into a new place and feeling lost. It's kind of frustrating. And so kids don't like that either. And so I want them to feel welcome. I want them to feel like it's a safe place. Um not just for security, but safe place to be able to open up and share, um, which in turn means opening up and listening and receiving, um, and then eventually starting to lead. Um, of course, we want them to have fun. Kids' ministry should be fun because then they are more willing to listen to and hear and receive the gospel because ultimately, of course, we want them to know and love Jesus Christ deeply and want to know him more um you know we're talking about generations this is it's not just um the next generation that we get to pour into and show Christ's love to but it's the next generation of leaders and of disciple makers so uh what a what a great opportunity we have to to be a part of that
0: yeah absolutely well as anyone who's ever been involved in kids ministry knows, one person can't do it all. It takes this team. It takes a tribe of volunteers. And so sh- just share for a minute about your hope for our volunteers, because it's going to take more than you to accomplish these things, right? And so yes. what is your hope for our volunteers who serve faithfully in kids ministry? Uh,
1: well, first, I, I would love for the volunteers to be, um, to buy into the vision of uh, kids' ministry, but of the church as a whole, um, so that we're unified in our vision and, and in what our mission is. Um, I want our volunteers to feel well-equipped um, in training and in knowledge and in resources. Um, it seems like such a simple thing, but as a volunteer, because I've been there, I know um, how important it is to feel like you know what's up, like you know what you're doing, and um, and very importantly, I want them to feel valued. Um, like you said, it's not one person. It's not even two or three people. It takes a team of people to, to lead in any ministry. And I want our volunteers to know how grateful we are for them because we literally could not do it without them. Um, and all of that summed together, I hope that that makes our volunteers excited uh, to be there on Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings or any event that we have. I'm excited to be there and excited to come back because that gets the kids excited. That's That gets the families excited. So um, if you're here, if you're a volunteer, I'm um, coming for you. Just know it. I'm going to find you. I'm going to learn your name, and I'm going to get to know you whether you like it or not. Um, or if you're here and you don't volunteer, come find me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're gonna go find. It? There's still time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good, good, good. I, I love the picture you're painting. That, you know, we hear kids ministry and we think it's just almost like just spiritual childcare, yeah. but what you're describing is this ministry to families and a ministry even to volunteers. Like it's this whole, all encompassing ministry to all these people who are involved. And so I love that about about what you shared. Um, well. Um, As I was laying out Deuteronomy 6 and and what God's called us to as families, I know personally how intimidating that can be. And I know too, just how it feels too when you don't get it right. Um, And so as we think about our role as a church, your role as director of kids ministry, like partnering with parents to equip them, share just for a minute your hopes for that. Like what do you hope that looks like for us as a church to partner with parents, some who who may be well-equipped already, but others who are like, I don't even know where to start. Like, how do you hope to partner with parents to really to see Deuteronomy 6 become fulfilled in in our kids?
1: Well, I I just, first, I get it. It is intimidating, and um, none of us are perfect. Um, And we live in an age where we are constantly bombarded with um, articles and things that tell us how to parent or how we're parenting wrong. And um, I just this is this is not that, and we we already have the manual, and and that manual is God's word, and God's word tells us we are not alone, mm. and um, He calls us to community, and um, you know we can sometimes feel like we're alone as parents or just as families, um, like we're on an island because trying to keep the kids alive. Um, trying to get them to where they need to be, and also trying to raise them to be kind humans who know and love Jesus Christ. And that's a lot. Um, but we are not alone. We are a community, and um, that is what it looks like to walk with parents and partner with them. Um, so my hope is that parents uh, find confidence in the kids' ministry, um, in walking in and feeling comfortable dropping their kids off not just that you know hey make sure they're here when i get back but that we're actually caring for them um and and it's a safe environment that we are accessible um, in communication in resources and um, any kind of spiritual needs that need to be met and then i would say consistency for volunteers um, and that kind of ties everything together, but. Uh, my, my greatest hope is that we have consistency for um, the kids and for the families um, to build that confidence and so that relationships are made. And I think that's really where the Holy Spirit gets to take in and take over. Yeah.
0: That's so what I love so much about um, what you shared and what I know about you and Evan, your husband, is just your willingness to walk in authentic biblical community. And that means then we've got to be willing to walk in the trenches with people. Um, Kids ministry is not a program, um, it, is, it is truly a biblical community, life on life, sharing struggles with one another, encouraging one another, celebrating victories with one another, and so I'm so excited about that vision that, that God's given you and your husband and your family for ministry and how that connects with who we are as a church, and so I know parents out there are super excited for you to get started, um, but until then... Um, we'll let you continue on being mom and, 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 uh, and all the other things that you do in life. And so thanks for sharing your heart with us this morning.
1: Thank you. Thanks, y'all. Yeah.